welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Playbook. This is episode number 65. And this week's guest, we have Mark Hogriff with Some Point Home Loans. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. So let me ask you, Mark, we always like to start off with our guests. You're the first guest that we've had kind of not being a licensed realtor. Most have been real estate agents. You kind of coming from the mortgage industry. So some of the question dialogue will be a little bit different. But what kind of got you into the mortgage lending? What made you want to become a mortgage broker and kind of start originating loans? Good question. Uh, so I've been in the business about 21 years and got out of college, was selling uh, to other retail spaces. And I said, all right, you know, let's, uh, I had a friend that was in the mortgage business and he was doing really well and he was helping home buyers and uh, helping people refinance. So didn't know a whole lot of mu much about the business. Uh, he brought me in uh, and, you know, it's a lot to learn, but you are helping people and you're helping people uh, make one of their biggest transactions they're ever going to make in their life. So uh, since then, yeah, I've worked with a few different companies, went through a uh, housing turndown back in 2008 and nine and uh, decided in about 2015 to start my own branch, and then it transitioned into owning our own company. Uh, so I'm a co-owner of Sunpoint Home Loans. Uh, it's a broker business in the Land O'Lakes area. Had that for about uh, six years now. So um, from there, history. And, uh, you know, work with great realtors and good partners like yourself. So uh, just good team if you have that built in place. And uh, you know, it, it's an industry, it's very rewarding because you can help people, you know, obtain home ownership and, uh, you know, uh, also can save money too as well. We do a lot of refinancing too as well. That's uh, something that's a good part of our business. But uh, primarily, you know, we are purchase oriented and, um, you know, it, it's something that uh, I like helping clients, like uh, challenging situations, overcoming scenarios that might be a little difficult and uh you know it's a good good industry to be in awesome man so you're probably not seeing too many refis come through the door right now uh, no no so those <laughs> those kind of changed last year um you know obviously interest rates are up i mean that's that's not any news um it's clearly posted out there um so you know we weren't strictly focused on refinance we're always heavily uh partner with realtors and we know that's just a you know better business to be in, but kind of more rewarding too as well because we can help people obtain home, home ownership. Awesome, man. So, you know, but obviously going to college, get into mortgages, what did you do exactly? I think you spoke to sales. What was it exactly you're doing prior to getting into the mortgage business? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so I was selling as a rep into Home Depot stores. So completely different than the mortgage business. Obviously sales oriented, but it's talking home. Uh, store owners, uh, managers, excuse me, and uh, selling some of our products in there. Um, yeah, I liked it. I liked the sales aspect of it. Didn't like the fact that I was, you know, kind of in the Home Depot environment where, you know, I was, uh, you know, retail's a little tough sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, after that, you know, the mortgage industry kind of allowed me to use my, my finance background because I do have a degree in finance too as well. So uh, I felt that was a little bit more rewarding. Awesome, man. So, Obviously, I would say, regardless of what position you had at a company, there's always certain skills that you're going to acquire. What do you feel are some of the skills that you acquired previous at the sales job with Home Depot before becoming a mortgage lender that allowed you to have a higher level of success than most people kind of getting into the business? Yeah, I mean, this business is a people business. I mean, it's not about the numbers, not about, you know, making money. It's, I mean, you know, obviously that comes if you're successful at what you do, but it's about helping, you know, people and, and 
And that business uh, was about dealing relationships with the store managers of Home Depots and things like that. But now it's more relationships with my realtors, relationships with my clients. And if you take care of them, usually uh, your business is going to be successful. I mean, our, our, our business model is have a client for life. I mean, we want to help somebody and they refer their friends and their relatives. And uh, it's not just transactional base. So I learned that a long time ago in sales that, you know, if you are care about the person and you do a good job for them, they will come back, give them a good deal too as well. Um, they'll come back. And uh, that's one thing I learned a long time ago in sales. And I think that works with pretty much any industry in real estate, mortgages, um, any type of sales environment. Yeah, to sum it up, so pretty much was cultivating those relationships, getting those communication skills, learning to talk to people, and then cultivating those relationships and constantly curating them where, in your words, a client for life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's the great thing about you know, your shop. And I know that uh, you guys have a lot of repeat business, uh, good name too as well. So we kind of have the same type of model as we want to you know, make sure we're taking care of clients, not just their first house or second house, you know, if they need to refinance too as well. So they're always thinking about us. Absolutely, man. So what, before getting the mortgage business, obviously, I, before anybody kind of gets into any, I guess, endeavor they're going to do, they probably kind of have a visualization of what it's going to look like or what it's going to be. What's one thing that prior to getting in the business you didn't expect or might have taken for granted? Um, well, I didn't, when I got in the mortgage business, um, didn't realize how complicated it could be. Mm. You know, people think on the outside that it could be, you know, it's say, how hard is it? You know, my credit score, this too, but it's kind of fairly high level. There's a lot of guidelines involved too, as well. I mean, you know, barrier to entry is probably not that hard, but being very good at what you do is, is, uh, a little bit harder knowing, you know, being better at your craft. Same thing with like real estate. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of agents out there, but the good agents are, you know, the ones that are more successful, the ones that are more knowledge-based, the more that, you know, learn their craft. Same thing with the mortgage industry too, as well, is, you know, the ones that um, really study and, and uh, want to learn. Uh, they seem to do very, very well. Um, and those are the ones that realtors want to work with too, as well. I mean, if they're referring a a client over to a loan officer. They want to make sure that client's really taken care of. It's not going to fall apart. I mean, you got a transaction where you got buyers and sellers and realtors, a lot of people involved. They want to make sure it's a smooth transaction. So I would say just the complicated aspect of it, you know, I mean, you kind of learn as you go. You do take your lumps, you know, maybe in the first couple of years of the business, yeah. you have some deals that don't go as well and you learn from them. But, uh, you know, that's what kind of makes it good, too, as well. It's like, you know, it's, 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 uh has a little bit of knowledge based and, and stuff that you have to, have to know and understand. And a lot of that, obviously, you can call, get your guidelines through, you know, your account executives, if you can speak to underwriters, things of that nature. But a lot of it comes to experience. Comes from experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I worked under some good people, um, you know, good managers in my career that helped me out and uh, learned a lot. So, you know, like just like with any industry, I'm sure you have mentors and people that uh, get you to the next level. I had that definitely. Uh, but we have like an our, our office, really open door, and we answer questions all the time. We're constantly learning, spreading information, having meetings about that too as well. So that's really important. And, um, you know, we I'm talking with a client right now, unfortunately, where – you know, his deal's going south with another loan officer, and he's seen if we can save it. He's too far in, so he's kind of just taking his lumps. But at the end of the day, I guess it looked like something the loan officer could have, you know, saw uh, on the get-go. But, you know, it's just an inexperienced loan officer. And, um, you know, these are big transactions. You yeah. know, you're buying a house, and 
you're moving your life. So, um, you know, experience is, is very important. So, yeah, I would say just, just the knowledge-based portion of it's a little bit something that, uh, you know, I'm constantly learning too as well. But uh, just the intro into the business, uh, I didn't realize how much there was to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And you're doing it for, I think you said 21 years now? 21 years. Yeah, time flies. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I remember when I started, but yeah, it goes by quick. You know? So lots evolved in the mortgage industry over the past 21 years. What do you think are some of the biggest changes that you've been a part of? Yeah, good question. Um, so when I got in, it was kind of the wild, wild west. I mean, it was guidelines were kind of like questionable. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of subprime loans. Yeah, non-prime loans, which are, you know, not ideal type loans. I mean, they actually exist today, but they're a little bit more structured um, than they were before. But, uh, you know, more regulation now. Um, you do have to you know, be more knowledge based too. I mean, I think, you know, loan officers that were in the business back in 2006 and seven, you know, maybe didn't have any, um, shouldn't, weren't qualified to be in the business, I guess you could say. So there's more regulation now, um, and which is a good thing. You yeah. know, it's, it's all about the consumer. It's all about, you know, protecting them, making sure that, um, you know, they're getting a good loan, that they're going to be able to repay the loan to as well. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing we've seen. Also, you know, the way loan officers get paid changed too as well for the better. Uh, used to be prior that uh, loan officers can kind of get paid whatever they wanted, you know, how much they wanted to charge, which really wasn't in the consumer's best interest. And now those are regulated. So, you know, we're capped on what we can make and, you know, we have to show what we make and the clients know and, it's easier for clients to shop so they can get the best possible deal. So that's all a good thing. It's helping consumers, making sure that they're getting the best deal. Cause you know, getting a mortgage can be complicated. It, you know, there's a lot involved. So, you know, they're trying to make it so average homeowner that may not know a lot can still make sure that they're getting a good deal or can shop to make sure they can. Yeah. And also too, I, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but back in the day, you didn't have to be licensed. Now, regardless if you're working for a lender, obviously brokers had to be licensed. But you can go kind of work at a lender shop under somebody and not really have a license. But now they're doing more of an audit, making sure that you at least have that entry level certification. Yeah, uh, we have to be licensed. We have to have continued education. Um, and the licensing process is not very easy or not, not, dip, not uh, I, I guess, easy to get around or, or to uh, obtain. I mean, most most. Uh, People with a financial background will go through fine, but you know, um, yes, there's more regulation and more licensing requirements now than there ever have been, and it's for a good reason. You know, they want to make sure somebody that is in this business is honest and doesn't have a criminal background and fraud or anything like that. So, th these are good things that have came in place. So, obviously, been doing it for a while here, um, and a lot of, like you said, have been dealing with a lot of changes, and I know, like. Right now, we hear a lot of agents kind of, their numbers are down and they're kind of getting nervous. And obviously, we still have the can't cash transactions, which mortgage lenders don't. So I know mortgage lenders are feeling possible to kind of turn here in the marketplace, probably even a little bit uh, sharper than um, an agent would. What's one thing that you and your organization are doing right now, Mark, where you might be doubling down on or trying something new to ensure that you're going to have the level of success that you're used to? you know, when times are good? That's a good question. I mean, we're getting back to basics, um, you know, real, really focusing on the customer, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, we, we're 
giving proposals to clients and giving them different options, uh, making sure they're getting the best possible deal too as well. We're even running promos right now. We're paying for appraisals. Um, so that's something that we're running till the end of the year. That's awesome. So, you know, little things that trying to get some of these buyers that, you know, maybe questioning the marketplace right now saying, hey, you know, it's, it's still, it's a good time to buy. And, and um, you know, so, but basically get back to basics in terms of going back to customer relationships too, you know, I mean, uh, reaching out to past customers that we did loans for in the past and see how they're doing, things like that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something that I think the industry really needed. Um, you know, the last couple of years, 2020, 2021, COVID really did create a boom in the marketplace, which some people weren't, you know, I wasn't expecting, you know, it's hard mm -hmm. to predict what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, home prices obviously increased and a lot of buyer demand too as well. So loans were easy to come by and refinances were strong too as well because interest rates are really low. Yep. So it was kind of like all hands on deck. Um, but, you know, and sometimes when that happens, you, you tend to be a little bit more transactional than you want to be because you're just servicing it. Uh, but, you know, getting back to the basics is really where um, anybody in this business should be kind of looking at, looking at their marketing, looking at, uh, you know, uh, you know, what are they doing for their clients? You know, they're mm -hmm. really going above and beyond. You know, they wow on their clients. The white glove treatment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I know you're talking about kind of, you know, going all in, giving that level of service, learn, you know, giving that white glove treatment per se. And then obviously you having your own shop, you have a, I would say, wider selection and different programs that people can kind of get into. A lot of press right now that we see, especially on the real estate side, is everybody's pitching a 2-1 buy down. I don't think a lot of people understand exactly how that works. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right now it's got a lot of press. It's to get these low rates, hoping that interest rates come back down, you refinance later. Why don't you share with everybody, you know, who a lot of these realtors were hearing about the 2-1 buy down, or maybe it's a consumer thinking about the product, exactly how it works. Explain all the intricacies of it and exactly what you got to do to qualify. Sure. Yeah. We're doing actually quite a bit of these. Um, it's called a temporary rate buy down. Um, and the two one buy down is a buy down where your interest rate's going to be lower in the first two years. Um, and the idea is it's 2% lower in year one and 1% lower in year two compared to the start rate. Uh, so for example, let's say best interest rates in the marketplace are about 5.875 today for a well-qualified buyer. Um, a 2-1 buy-down would allow them to get, and it's actually a subsidized payment. It's actually a, not a lower interest rate. Their interest rate would still be that 5.875, but it actually is subsidized to a 3.875 in year one and subsidized to 4.875 in year two. And the subsidy comes from seller credits typically. Okay, okay that's So the seller would actually uh, be part of the seller concessions and they're put into basically an escrow account with the lender and they hold these um, and they subsidize the payment in the first couple of years. And I, the, the analogy I kind of use is it front loans the savings. So they're going to get more savings in the first two years mm. compared to over the life of the loan. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with like a rate buy down. Uh, so like if you pay, let's say a point on an interest rate, you might get your 5.875 down to maybe 5.5% but that's over the life of the loan. So the savings difference is only going to be marginal. But mm -hmm. if you can get that down to the 3.875 with the temporary buy down, you're getting a whole lot more savings. Right. Okay? So you're kind of kind of experiencing those savings more in the first couple of years. The idea is that interest rates could come down in the marketplace. Uh, interest rates going from, you know, threes to seven and a quarter in a 10 month span is pretty 
pretty quick movement. It's unprecedented. Yeah. So there's talk that interest rates could come down. Nobody knows when that is. I don't know when that's going to be. I mean, nobody can predict that. But uh, there, there's talks, and it kind of seems logical that they would. So maybe there'd be an opportunities for these buyers to refinance maybe in year three or year four when interest rates are lower. So they mm-hmm. never actually experience their fully, you know, amortized interest rate payment. So uh, it's great. I mean, it's especially good for a buyer that expects more income potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have somebody that's like in an industry where they think, ah, oh, year three, four, or five from now, I might be making quite a bit more money and they know their payment's gonna go up, um, they might be okay with that. And uh, it is a fixed rate, so it doesn't change over the life alone. Again, it's just a subsidized portion of the payment for the first couple of years. So we're doing quite a bit of these. Um, a lot of buyers that I uh, inform about on these, they, they jump on them, they really mm-hmm. like this. Um, the idea is though they have to go back and tell their realtor, hey, I, I wanna get some seller concessions because I wanna use this towards a rate buy down. Um, so it, it's pretty, it, it's something that's not commonplace because, you know, we're not used to seeing these rates, um, you know, go so high so quickly. Um, but it, it's a good solution. And, and by the way, since we're talking about interest rates here too, is interest rates have been coming down over the last 30 days. Right. Uh, you know, they, they did go up and I would say the high points like October, but, uh, since November till now we're down a full percent. Uh, so you know, I average 30-year fixed interest rates beginning of November were like seven and a quarter. Now they're right around six and a quarter. We're a little bit lower than the average lender. We're probably in the upper fives. Um, so it's a pretty significant downturn. And, you know, this is something that the market kind of predicts could stay because they think the Fed is not going to, uh, you know, maybe offset the marketplace. They're, they're afraid about that. So that, that, that'd be good. And that may be a good time because yeah. of it. Absolutely. So a lot of the, because right now, especially at, at Greater Tampa Market, a lot of new construction, seems like all these builders are advertising that 2-1 because the, the hesitation for most buyers on the fence is interest rates. You know, they're waiting to come down or waiting to kind of see what happens. It becomes a new norm, whatever it might be. I think there's also confusion in the marketplace. You touched on it a little bit, but if we could do a deeper dive where they think this 2-1 buy down, I've heard people like, you don't want to go with that. That's an adjustable rate mortgage. Now, I know how the adjustable rate mortgages work. Why don't you just real quick, briefly explain the, the nuance from the 2-1 buy-down and how, like you said, it's the rate you're kind of subsidizing it to have a lower rate the first two years, but you're always having that fixed rate. And then on the flip side, how does the ARM work and how do they differ? Yeah, so an ARM usually gives you like a, a fixed rate period for a few years of the loan and then it adjusts. And that adjustment does have caps, but you know it, it could go up and mm-hmm. it could go up substantially too as well. So most people that take ARMs, are going to only be in that loan for usually the fixed period of the arm. And then mm-hmm. they say, so no, they're only gonna live in the house for two, three, four years, okay? Right. But most people don't have a crystal ball. They don't know what their life's going to be like. And sometimes three, four years goes by pretty quick and they're still in their house. So that's why there's a lot of you know, reservation about taking arms. But the two-one buy-down, there's even a three-two-one buy-down and a one-one buy-down. There's, there's quite a different buy-down, just depending on how much credit they get from the seller. Um, again, it's a fixed rate for the life of the loan, but just that payment will be subsidized year one, year two, or year three, you know, it, it, depending on the buy-down. And then it's going to, at the, at the end of the buy-down, going to be at that fixed rate for the life of the loan. So they're going to have that fixed payment that they can 
count on and not have to, you know, be up at night worried about their payments going to be, you know, in five years from now. Yeah, so it's almost like, I don't want to call it a worst case scenario. I don't think that's the right verbiage, but that's kind of I'm internalizing this. Hey, I'm getting this lower rate, hoping that A, the rates come down, I can refinance into it and keep maybe something slightly higher, if not get it down to what that rate is, or B, I'm planning to make more money. So as this payment increases over the two to three year span, uh, you know, I'm not going to have a payment shock, but I look at it as like, this is like the worst case scenario. I'm comfortable with that payment, take advantage of this, uh, but knowing that it can never be worse than what that fixed rate is. Correct. Yeah. You, usually if you're okay with, you know, the fully amortized fixed payment at the, uh, you know, the end of the temporary buy down, and that's what we sell too. You know, if that person is not comfortable with that payment, they should probably be buying the house. Mm -hmm. Okay. But typically they are, they just want, you know, an intro lower payment, a um, whole lot better than I would assume an arm with if somebody is like banking on being there for a long period of time and just maybe hoping to refinance or, you know, worry about that interest rate going up. So definitely different, definitely. And in some cases, adjustable rate mortgages are not much lower than fixed rates. So that payment savings might not be worth the risk. So we're not doing a lot of arm loans right now, even though there's talk of it, you know, we don't do quite a bit because there's a lot of apprehension about them too as well. I don't know where interest rates are going to be, you know, three, four, five years from now. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's that always in the back of your mind if you do take an arm out. Yeah, okay. yeah, 100%. Um, so, like, basically with the market right now and kind of what you're seeing, you kind of went over, like, what you're doing, kind of hedging down with the customer service. With the interest rates, I think a lot of it comes from educating, too. One thing that your organization does a great job is not only educating uh, consumers, but also agents and helping understand all the intricacies of getting the loan, what it takes, and things of that nature. When it comes to the spike in interest rate in such a short period of time, I mean, yes, you know, common sense tells you, hey, you're three or 4% higher than what it was. But what most, I don't think, take into consideration, understand, is how drastically those sharp turner rates impact what I call the buying power, like how much of an impact it has on the buyer's payment. So you're kind of, you know, we'll hear it a little bit on our side on the real estate transaction, but you're really in the trenches with these buyers going over these payments. What are some of the things you're doing to kind of educate them and what is some of the feedback? So that way as agents, we understand kind of what you're dealing with and how impacted their payments are and why there's so much hesitation with buyers right now. Yeah, uh, good question. So what we do on the front end is find out what their budget is. I mean, you know, typically people are budgeting based on payment, not mm -hmm. on price. You know, you, you, you kind of think, you know, as a buyer, hey, I, I think I could probably afford a $400,000 house, but you might not know with taxes, insurance, and HOAs what that payment truly is going to be. So ask them, you know, we find out what that payment budget is, and maybe if they're not sure, ask them what they're paying in rent and kind of see, hey, are you comfortable with that rent? Can you go up if you found the right house? Uh, could you afford a higher budget? So you got to really, you know, make sure that they know their budget first. And then we try to help them correlate that into a price. Okay, so mm -hmm. you should stay within this price point to keep you within your budget. However, we, we tell them what their maximum amount would be. So if they qualify for quite a bit more, you know, because um, sometimes, you know, buyers, when they get out in the marketplace, they, they might have this um, realization or understanding that they could buy a house for a certain payment and it turns out to be quite a bit more. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a little bit of a learning thing for them. Sticker shock. Sticker shock, exactly. So, you know, they basically um, have that high end of what they could go and then their budget and they can decide if they want to go above that budget. Um, but, you know, 
if they know that on the front end and, you know, if I ask them, if you have a few houses that you've been looking at, because that's where most people start their search is usually online. You know, I've been seeing a couple homes in the areas they want to buy. I run payments for them and then they have a better idea. And uh, sometimes they're okay with that. Sometimes, you know, they are kind of getting a sticker shock and then I kind of coach them. I well, maybe you can look at, you know, maybe lower price points or maybe change your where you want to buy or possibly, um, you know, things, the, taxes, CD, it, flood yeah, zones. Th those things do, uh, you know, have a big impact on a overall payment. And, mm -hmm. and that's one thing that, uh, you know, there's a lot of online tools that you can get nowadays, but, uh, you know, we kind of have the old school mentality is like, Hey, if you really find a house that you like, you know, send it our way, we'll run the estimate. We'll get you a really firm payment. I'll get that to you within 30 minutes to an hour at the most. So they have a better idea. So those are things that we do. So really it's about, you know, budget, and understanding payment and setting them up correctly. So when they go in the marketplace, uh, they're successful and they have, you know, good understanding. Another thing too, I know we're seeing it a lot is, and I think, you know, most agents and aren't aware of, of the impact it has for their past clientele, you know, buyers and sellers. We're, there's a lot of people who are thinking about selling, possibly buying, most of the time they're gonna upgrade, right? There's, unless you're kind of really teetering retirement or you had, a change in income where you're not making as much, it's rare that somebody's going to downsize. So usually it's a more significant purchase. But I know we've had going to take conversations lately on even people looking to downsize, like sell a house at a higher price, mm -hmm. buy a lower price home. When you're running the numbers with today's rates, it ends up where sometimes their payments even come in a little higher. So that's putting a lot of people on the on the fence or on the, I guess, back burner per se. It is. It, it can. Um, I mean, again, it comes down to, you know, giving them proper expectations on the front end. Um, you know, sometimes when somebody's selling, they have an idea that, hey, I'm going to put 20% down on the house that I'm going to buy. And maybe they're walking away with well more than 20%. Mm -hmm. So they can take a little bit more of their equity, put it towards a down payment to keep that payment down. I mean, chances are because house values are up, that they're going to sell their house for quite a bit more than what they thought. You know, right. They bought the house seven, eight years ago. You know, they sometimes are shocked that their home value is high as it is. So, you know, uh, maybe putting a little bit more money down helps offset that too. I mean, because if you walk away with an extra hundred thousand that you didn't think you had, you know, it's always good to maybe put that towards the next house and offset the brunt of it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's something that, uh, again, just comes with like kind of running the numbers. So again, you know, Buyers should be really you know, talking to their loan officer, having them run numbers, giving proper expectations, not just going through the pre-approval process, but kind of educating them on that too as well. Yeah. Awesome, man. So, you know, a lot of agents kind of get into the business. Um, they're newly licensed or maybe they've been licensed a little bit. They haven't created the right partnerships. You know, one thing I'll try to coach our agents on here is, you know, find, you know, later on when you get into listings and more of the sales side, find a good title company to partner with. You'll want one out the gate, but usually when you're a new agent, you're going to start off on the buying side. So it's really important to find a good insurance company, find a good litter to partner with. So for agents out there who haven't kind of found that partnership, what are some of the advantages with partnering for the right lender from the consumer aspect for gaining more trust with their clientele? And what are some things that realtors should look for when they are partnering with a mortgage lender? Yeah, I mean, experience is something that's hard to overlook. And, um, you know, somebody that is going to be customer focused, um, but also a good communicator too as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, all these things that we're talking about here is, you know, have to be related back to the agent too as well. So they know, you know, what they're looking for for their client. Um, you know, I'm sure every agent has probably had deals that have gone awry and, 
know, they clearly know what it, maybe a bad loan officer looks like. You know, yeah. I say I think too many times, you know, real real estate agents, you know, they sometimes will say, you know, all these loan officers, they all kind of look the same. You know, until you kind of work with them and you and experience it, like okay, it's not. It, it's you know, there, there's level of service and, and expertise come into play. Because if I'm going to refer my client over to a loan officer, I want to make sure they're number one, taken care of. Number two, that they're going to get closed and going to get closed on time too as well. I mean, these are things that just have to happen in this business, but, uh, you know, are, are expected to as well. Um, so I would say those type of things, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a partnership. It really mm -hmm. is. I mean, you know, realtors and, and lenders, um, you know, it's something that, uh, it takes time to, you know, have a, a good relationship, you know, but just like anything else, if you're working in business with somebody, you want to make sure that, hey, we all have the same goal and that's to get the client closed. And, you know, we want to get the client closed and, and have them, you know, really have a great, great, uh, you know, great process in the whole time too as well. So that, that's something that we all have a shared goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing where I think agents might be duped a little bit uh, or, take it for granted, whatever you want to call it, is sometimes I'll partner with a lender because they think a lender is giving great service. And by great service, they're thinking they're quick to give them pre-approval letters. Like, oh, I can get a pre-approval letter in five seconds or I don't even have to call. I can brief scenario and get a pre-approval letter. And I think a lot of lenders, and then they find out to your, what you were saying is through experience, then they'll start to learn which lenders are good or not. And it's great if somebody can truly pre-approve a client and then the realtor go out, put them under contract and the transaction closes. But a lot of the times where I find out these people who are producing the pre-approval letters too quick per se, or for instance, there's websites where a client can go to and produce their own pre-approval letter and agents are out working and, you know, showing around, putting them under contract and then come to find out through the transaction, they necessarily shouldn't have been qualified. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about that kind of what you see on your end and why is it so important to have a true pre-approval even though it might take a little time than getting something within seconds. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a balancing act because you know if you're a buyer's agent and you get a buyer and you know they say they're hot and heavy and want to submit an offer on a house like right away, last thing you want to do is wait. You know you don't want to you know miss out on that property or the client. So you don't want to and if they're not pre-approved, you want to make sure that happens quickly. And we understand that. I mean it's it's the society we're in right now. It's a it's a now now society. Yeah. Okay, so instant gratification. But, instant gratification. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know there are so many nuances that can create headaches throughout a transaction that if we're not dotting I's or crossing our T's on the front end, could come to be big issues on the back end or delay mm -hmm. closings or, you know, or truly not qualified, you know, got to right. get them to closing table. I'm sure you see a lot of listings sometimes that says back on the market because financing fell through, mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, you know, that's something that, it, it does, it can take time, you know, you get self-employed borrowers that we're looking at tax returns and, you know, sometimes clients don't have their tax returns available, you know, handily. Right. They, they have to reach out to their accountant too as well. So, you know, that could take 24 hours or even longer. Uh, and there's a lot of automation in this business too as well. I mean, for the good, I mean, it, it, speed, it does speed things along. You know, we can get verification of employments from employer uh, almost instantaneously with like 80% of the employers out there. That's all good stuff. Uh -huh. So we can get the information we need. But even so, you know, we have to verify assets and things like that. Uh, so you, you got to use technology as uh, a tool to help your business, but you can't use it as a crutch. And right. I think that's where you see a lot of loan officers uh, falling in the cracks here is like, you know, they're using it, you know, you fill up my online app and then we'll just run it through the automated system here and you got your pre-approval letter. 
Meanwhile, there's all this information that they didn't get, and then that becomes a big problem. And you know, all of a sudden, they're they're saying, "Well, we need, we didn't have that. We didn't know this. We didn't know that." And that's never a good thing. So that that really comes with experience. A little bit of balancing act between you know, using the technology, asking the right questions, getting information you need, and knowing that yeah, everybody wants their pre-approval quickly too as well. So it's 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 something that you know it takes a little bit of experience, but uh, you know, it can be done effectively and. If agents are working with loan officers that are so automated, you know, they'll realize that, you know, they might have more fallout, okay, mm -hmm. uh, than ones that are old school too as well. Maybe they're just too slow. So you have to have a little find bit a of balance. a hybrid middle. Yeah, find a balance between those two. And we feel like that's the best model that works because it is, you know, some some scenarios are complicated. Some Some clients have a lot of things moving on, multiple properties, you know, and businesses and things like that. And, and the more complicated it is, the longer it usually takes for us to confirm it's it's good. And, you know, I'd rather have my agents wait an extra couple days. So if that house doesn't work, if it doesn't get accepted and they're putting them in their car or they're showing them properties, that they're not spinning their wheels, that, you know, they make sure that they're, you know, if they find a property for that that buyer, that, you know, it's going to close and they're going to get paid, you know, and that's something very important. Nobody wants to you know, waste their time and their effort and their energy. Uh, they want to work with qualified buyers. So that, that's the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, it comes with training. And again, all of our loan officers, we constantly like work with them and, and uh, you know, try to find that balance uh, to, to be successful too as well. And, you know, we are a broker business, but a lot of our wholesale lenders have all the technology in the world. So even though we're a small shop, we can piggyback on the technology of some of the biggest lenders in the country. Actually, we work with one of them, United Wholesale Mortgage is the, just as of last month, became the largest lender in the country. And they're very tech oriented. But again, it's that balance of communication and also using technology to, to get it expedited. Yeah. I mean, and I always tell the agents here as well, you want to find a loan officer using technology, not technology using a loan officer. Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that nowadays. yeah. I mean, you know, obviously innovators like rocket mortgage kind of created the, um, you know, the click a button, getting a mortgage kind of stuff. And, but if you really, you know, got truth serum in some of the ro rocket mortgage executives, they say, well, it's kind of marketing, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, it gets them in, but then we got to still figure out if it's a deal or not a deal. Even with all right. the technology, it doesn't solve all the problems. It's a tool. But it's not, you the can't, it's not end all. I mean, it, obviously, if that is the case, I wouldn't be standing here. They just automate me and yeah. make, make me, you know, just, just go ahead and do automated pre-approvals and, and save a lot of money and uh, you don't need loan officers whatsoever. But there's definitely a need for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a good thing they don't. So that way, you know, there's still a need for you and you, you do a great job with sure. you know, the loans and then servicing our clientele and all the realtors here. And for anybody out there, maybe it's a realtor looking to partner with a, Loan officer, you, you can service all of Florida? All of Florida, yeah. We're only licensed in the state of Florida. Okay, so any realtor may be looking to partner with a loan officer in the state of Florida or any consumer that's in the market looking to buy or wants to talk to you about some of the different loan products, get pre-approved, maybe get a second opinion, take advantage of your free appraisal that you're running until the end of the year. Um, what's the best contact information? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? And we'll post it on all our social sites as well. Yeah, I mean... Um it, call us direct. I mean, I can call my office line, 813-920-7916. Uh, call me personally. Um, that's 727-692-1707. Uh, but we're always accessible and hands-on. Um, so, yeah, anytime. And I want to bring up one thing, too, as well, is, you know, in this marketplace with interest rates higher, 
it's always best for buyers to shop. And, you know, you wouldn't think loan officers would advocate that, but, you know, we're confident in our terms that we want clients to talk to a couple lenders. So, I mean, if, um, you know, they're, they're under contract or they're, you know, considering buying, make sure you're getting the best deal out there and, you know, talk to a couple lenders, get a couple estimates. You know, that's something that's kind of gotten away from over mm -hmm. the last couple of years, but you can save thousands of dollars up front. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit on the interest rate too, as well. So even realtors too, if, if mm -hmm. you know, if they have a preferred lender that they like and, you know, it's always good to say, Hey, you know, shop like it around a little bit. I mean, this is somebody that, you know, they're, they're valuing your referral and they want to make sure they're getting a good deal. Absolutely. And, and if they know they are, um, you know, that, that'll come back a lot better for the agent too, as well. hundred percent. Well, we greatly appreciate you being a guest on, uh, thanks the for having me. Playbook. And then, we really appreciate everyone for kind of tuning in to this week's episode and uh, look to catch up with you next week. Take care.